You are listening to the Massive Report Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Massive Report Podcast. I'm Patrick Murphy here with Bart Logan, Brett Hilbrandt, Sam Fahmy at Saucy Brewworks at 3rd Michigan. Brian could not join us tonight, sadly. Uh, Brian has a lot going on in his life right now. Uh, so he's been busy taking care of that stuff. So we will miss him tonight. Uh, we're going to talk some preseason or what we know of the Cruise preseason. Uh, little expectations with this team trying to repeat as MLS Cup champions. And then we're going to take a handful of your questions because we got a bunch of them as we did a massive report mailbag. But how are you guys doing today? I'm, I'm doing just peachy. You know, it's... Uh it's a wonderful um, January. We, we just it stopped raining. That's nice, right? We're talking yeah. about weather. This is how far it's come down. With we, <laughs> we we went from Josh Williams last week yeah. to just shooting the shit about weather. This mm-hmm. is bad. Yeah, we hope it's the definitely questions. Definitely shitty weather. If we're gonna be totally honest. We hope the questions will spark uh, some interesting conversation to, uh, you know, kind of reach as close to the level of the Josh Williams podcast as we can. Mm-hmm. Sam, as far as guests go, where do you rate Josh on there? He's got to be pretty high, right, for, for Master oh, Report man. Podcast? That's, that's pretty tough considering that we've had the likes of Guillermo Barascoleto, yeah. mm-hmm. Chad Marshall, Daniel O'Rourke, uh, Brian Carroll, Duncan Otten, several times, Frankie Hiddick. I mean, he's definitely up there. You forgot Anthony Precourt. <laughs> I mean, it was a it was an omission, not a forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Yeah, I think no, Josh. but definitely up there. It was actually it was a really great conversation, and uh, obviously, thank you for Josh for coming on. Yeah, if you uh, missed that, we'd hope to have him on more. Yeah, in the it future. sounded like afterwards, when we Mike. Were, yeah, when we were talking to him afterwards, it sounded like he'd be interested in doing this from time to time. Um, I'm not sure he's ready to commit full time to the Massive Report podcast. Well, he will if you hector him enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so preseason, they are now a little over a week into this thing. I wanted to get Josh last week to talk about kind of what the start of preseason is like from a player's perspective, given that none of us have ever been professional athletes, but we just had so many other things to talk about. But Brett, you've, you've been around this team for the starts of many preseasons. What do you think this week has been for that group, for people that maybe just aren't familiar? So preseasons are kind of weird because the they the level of intensity is can be um like peak and valley a little bit um i think for the most part all the guys who are there and i'm not sure how many people they took in terms of whether or not you're seeing you know any kind of fringe guys people that they're potentially you know looking to sign in the old days, we used the word trial period yep. with uh, people like that. You kind of remember when Eric Hurtado re-signed out of nowhere. That's kind of exact where that kind of you know contract comes from. Um, but it's it's interesting because you know they're down in Port St. Lucie right now in Florida, and um, probably you know just kind of like ramping things back up and getting everybody back together and then trying to kind of, um, you know, rediscover some of the magic a little bit that, that we, we saw them have at the end of the season. Uh, but I think preseason is, is for me, if you kind of talk to the guys, it's, um, it's all about reestablishing expectations and then trying to figure out 
um, kind of the jumping off point for those, right? And so um, it's a very weird time because there is a lot of free time for the guys, at least during the Caleb Porter preseasons that I was part of. There was, you know, evenings free, you know, um, kind of guys were left to, to, you know, their own devices a little bit. Um, but it's a lot of fitness. It's a lot of teaching. And it's, uh, you know, and then there's some kind of team bonding stuff on the side is usually how I think the blueprint goes for the most part. So they can have some fun when they're down there. Um, but it's also, and I think if I, you know, if Josh kind of alluded to this last week in, in the pod as well, like it's also about, uh, I would expect Wilfred Nazi and the staff to kind of start spoon feeding some little mm-hmm. extra things into some of the philosophies for the guys who, you know, are coming back from last year and the new people, right? And say, this is what we did. We really liked what we did. We're going to do this to try and build upon that. There are going to be those little moments. And then when they start playing games, which I would expect to happen here in the next few days, um, you're going to see, you know, maybe some instances and examples of those specific types of plays. But that's kind of how it is. It's um, the second one. You know, usually they, they go somewhere, they come back, and then they go somewhere again. The second one is usually the more intense of the two because the first one is usually at a resort of some kind where everyone's, you know, like Cancun was the big one in years past where it was part preseason, part, you know, hang out by the pool kind of thing. Um, or, or Hawaii yeah. when they, you know, God bless. The save the crew. Was that? God the bless that The Save the Crew season? Yeah. Or was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or was that before they announced it and it was like a little rope-a-dope? Like, hey, we're going to send you guys to Hawaii and then, oh, by the way, I'm trying to move the team. The um, God bless that preseason. What a what a glorious, glorious time that was. But, yeah, it's um, – so this is kind of the the appetizer a little bit and then that second one, which I'm not even sure where that – Fort Lauderdale maybe? I kind of forget. They were, I think, Fort Lauderdale last year. I believe they're going um, out to California. Okay. I can look this up while we're talking. So this, that second one is where you'll see things kind of ramp up a little bit. But that's kind of how it is. It's, um, yeah, just fitness and then kind of teaching video, that kind of stuff. Yes, they are going to Santa Barbara February oh. 7th through the 17th. Glorious. So 10 days Glorious. Out, out west. Uh, yes, to go back to something you said, they do have some guys in, some young, some academy kids, um, crew two guys. We'll get into. We had a couple crew two questions. I and think Taha so. signed with he the, is first the first team. team right? Yep. Yeah. Um, Want to see? They that. had at least the one day they trained in Columbus. Um, their first round draft pick, uh, Jaden Da, I believe is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jaden Da uh, from Georgetown. Or from, excuse me, not Georgetown from. Uh, cool. Duquesne yeah. uh, was with the team. The others were still finishing school. Um, obviously, you have Nerds. your yeah. You guys have <laughs> they have the signings and stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if there are some trialists down there that kind of come and go throughout. Uh, I think this is a really important preseason because when we got to talk to Wilfred Nancy uh, the first time, he spoke again on a Zoom call today. We're recording this on Monday. I was not able to make it, and I haven't even listened to it yet. But um, we did have people on there. But he talked about, because I was very interested about like, the mental side of trying to repeat as a champion. Um, and he admitted he doesn't know how it's going to go because he's never been in that situation. Mm-hmm. And it was something that Bez said at the end of year press conferences that like, all, everybody comes back different. 
you've won something now. And, you know, how you then handle that is what will, right. you know, not make or break your season because there's a lot going to be a lot of factors. We'll get into that. But just how you approach this. And I think back to when um, the crew went to MLS Cup, lost to Portland uh, when Greg was here. And the next year, well, you know, that next season did not go well. And they did not make the playoffs. They played Portland first game that, that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Greg talked about, uh, he told Andrew Erickson and I at one point, well into that season, that like from the start there were guys, like leadership guys, that were just kind of dogging it early on. And, you know, when they're doing fitness tests and stuff, guys clearly just hadn't put in the same effort. And he wasn't too worried about it at the time, thinking, okay, as we get into the season and games start to get played, we'll, we'll be fine. Like, these guys know how to handle this. And it just never, obviously, materialized the way they wanted. You think to 2020, crew comes back after winning. That season didn't go well either. Uh, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they all handle this. You know, there's a lot of young guys on this team um, that'll be kind of doing this for the first time. Though they, some of them did win with crew, too. And, look, it's not going to be easy to repeat. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the challenge here, at least at this time of year, to, to kind of get everybody in the right mindset to be moving in the right direction once the games actually start, right? I, I, I think, I mean, mindset is obviously going to be there, but I, I think the skill difference, I mean, the, the 2020, I don't, buy the stuff when people are like, oh, you know, 2020, there should be an asterisk with that. Guess what? Everybody had to deal with right. the same bullshit of the, like, the, the pandemic that the crew did. So you don't, it was an even playing field. Right. You don't get an asterisk or, like, that one doesn't count or doesn't count as much. But I think it is, you know, cu- coming back from that one versus where, where it was, they were a bit tighter. This is a crew team that was the third best team in the league in the, re- the regular season mm-hmm. that could well have had the best regular season record if they had just, like, kept half the points they dropped after the 85th minute. Um, uh, I mean, th- this was a dominant team, and you're adding Diego Rossi for the the entirety of the season um, uh, on, in this system. I, I think... I, I, I think, you know, there there are some concerns, and obviously injuries is, is the big thing that you, that you can't control. And an injury to a key person, even with good depth like this team could have, can, can disrail anything. But I just, I don't see that sort of drop-off. Because, again, that, that 2015 team, great team, but I think overachieved a little bit. You're still doing it with a shoestring budget. Then you introduce the, the Kai Kamara, like, you know, revelation right. of him and uh, coming back. But then... The dynamics with him the following year, the, as Kai is wont to do, um, uh, burns all his bridges within you know one calendar year, um, and uh, you, you just throw that in the middle of the season, um, and then I think I mean they had what just that that run in the middle of the summer where they couldn't win a single game. I think it's well they started really, they started they, poorly and then yeah, then they had that, that run in the they like thought they were, had gotten things going and then just and then absolutely yeah. hit a wall. Yeah, um, but I. I I think this seems, you know, again, I mean, I'm not saying they're, it's going to be like, uh, uh, you know, uh, 09, but I think this is a team that's going to keep rolling. Yeah, I, I would think that the for me, especially 
given the, the, the tight turnaround from MLS Cup to essentially reporting and being right back in it is like, what, like 20-some-odd days, if that? 30-some-odd days, maybe? Yeah, they had like just right about a month. Yeah, roughly. so um, I would expect for the most part the guys are right back into the routine of things and, and didn't really have a chance to fall out of that. So mm-hmm. for me, it feels very... Um, primed to kind of just pick right back up where they were and I would expect um, them to be on a fast start just like um, in the same kind of manner in which they caught fire towards the end of the year I don't I just don't see there's nothing to me that there's nothing there's not a substantive personnel change that would signal a learning curve of any kind right but also I think the they they have like a new challenge this year that I think does really well or it fits really well into like kind of sparking inspiration and motivation from a coaching standpoint because they're going to have to manage so many games <laughs> that I would guess they're already in the players ears a little bit like hey we have high expectations this year we want to win multiple trophies and oh by the way nobody thinks you can do it because you're going to be playing X number, you know, more games than you were a year ago. We just watched the, the team we just beat in MLS Cup try to do that, lost a bunch of finals in that, that year, right? Like, let's go show, you know, the rest of MLS and North American soccer that you can win a championship and then follow that up in a successful, fundamentally successful way. So I think there's, on the field it works, and I think kind of from a motivation standpoint, it also feels like they're primed and ready too. I think the one thing that is the X factor and that I worry a bit about is Darlington Nagby and how much longer can I think if anyone can fight off father time it is Darlington I mean right. that dude but that's such a vital position um, he's not a player that's getting you know any younger and you know it's going to be I think really vital for Wilfried to you know manage his minutes well um, uh, to be able to, you know, uh, apply a, a strong rotation, but there's just there's no way to replace. I mean, obviously, there's no way to replace a darling to Nagby if something happens and he misses prolonged that amount of time, or if he finally starts taking that step back. I think he's a player that is smart enough, and to, I mean, he's he's been doing it and managing the, you know quote-unquote decline if there's been any with grace to the point where you don't really see right. much of a decline um i think he knows his skill set he maybe doesn't do the dribbles that he might have usually but he can still get out of the press and it's just ultimately his ability to stay healthy um and 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 really you know manage his minutes i think that's going to be very important yeah agree the last team to win back-to-back mls cups was the la galaxy in 2011 2012 i believe that was the beckham Keen Donovan teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, since then, there have been two teams that have gone out in the first round, two te- three teams that have not made the playoffs at all, uh, two that went back to MLS, three that went back to MLS Cup, sorry, and two that went to the conference finals. Um, so a wide range of outcomes and multiple teams that came close. And, you know, you've got finishes anywhere from, uh, you know, the crew finished ninth in the East in 2001, uh, and or 2021, excuse me, and 17th in the Supporter Shield standings. To um, Atlanta finished second in the East and third in the Supporter Shield standings. Seattle also finished second in the West one year mm-hmm. as defending champ. So like 
teams have done it, you know, gotten close, and, and obviously LAFC last year is a good example. Um, I think you make a good point about the other competitions because there needs to be a carrot out there, right? Yeah. That, like, you know, if you're just doing the exact same thing you did the year before, uh, you know, then there's no other newness, especially for a team that didn't change very much because sometimes you just bring in new guys to add that fire, right? right. Guys that haven't won anything, um, and they haven't done a ton of that. They have a few. But I do agree that those other tournaments, um, you know, give you something to play for. Now, does that then affect where you kind of are in MLS as you play through all that? We've seen that happen before. But I, I just think it's really interesting. I always think anytime a team wins a championship, the psychology of the next year and how you kind of navigate that season, I think, is one of the hardest things to do in sports. How many, how did those, those Bezbachenko Toronto teams, I mean, they, you know, back to back making it to the finals, right? And what was it? Three times in four years? Three and five, Three and I think. five years, yeah. okay. Yeah, Toronto I went th- in 16 and lost to Seattle. One in 17, mm-hmm. lost to Seattle in 19. Okay. Was, I mean, what do you think, I mean, does... What, what, I mean, obviously, it, it's really, you know, Wilfried Nancy who sets the tone, but I feel pretty good with a guy like Bez who, who knows how to build a team and, and put... A coach in a position, yeah. he, he's the guy who's got a demonstrated track record of not seeing that drop off. Granted, we obviously have 2021, but that was also a pretty exceptional year in terms of just not even anywhere close to the mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, I think, I think that, you know, it's like the, you hear we talk about floor and ceiling, right? And like, what's kind of like the bare minimum base kind of performance that you expect from this team. And I, you know, I said about halfway through the year that I felt like the crew, in a very obvious way, raised their floor mm-hmm. compared to literally everybody else in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I don't see there's no reason to for me for that floor to have gone back mm. down or whatever. So I think the 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 cornerstones and the, the kind of the tent poles of why you would expect them to be successful, those are all still there. You still have a hungry Cucho. You have the, the the running of Rossi, Darlington's you know still Darlington, and you have uh, a backline now with a full year of experience in this system. Stephen Marrero, Defensive Player of the Year, yeah, Dark Horse. It's like I don't even think Dark Horse. It's <laughs> like all, like you know among the, the favorites, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, there's for me, it's it, it's primed just to, to pick right back up where where they left off, um, and I think if if you see them just meet expectations in an attacking sense and i think also in like kind of like um the the way that they embrace kind of the philosophical kind of um teaching of wilford nancy if that comes in concert with being average defensively they're gonna run away with the supporter mm-hmm. shield, right? Like it's, it, and I think it's that type of year. Like I think and that's it's, average, not even exceptional. Yeah, just yeah. like average. I'm saying, like be even with Miles mm-hmm. Robinson in Cincinnati. Well, yeah, which <laughs> sure, why not? Because you only have to play them twice, right? Like you're, we're talking about six six points yeah. of you know however many. So yeah, six um, points for the crew. And yeah, right. And so um, you know, I think it's like I think there's potential, right, for me with this team to like potentially chase the, the the new england revolution 
points mm-hmm. points in a season record. Like I think it's that type of team, and I don't see why anybody should have different expectations. They certainly don't. Mm-hmm. I bet in that room. And and to be fair, you know they were they were changing that trajectory towards the upward yeah. when they had Lucas, and that mm-hmm. didn't really change too much when Lucas left right. and no. and Diego Rossi came back in, except for maybe a couple of games here and there. But it kind of so it it. It if there was it wasn't any, necessarily hinged. If there was know. any dip, someone right. picked up that slack, yeah. right? Like it was like if there was a drop from Lucas to Rossi, Cucho leveled up, or Christian Ramirez mm-hmm. leveled up. Yao Yoboa comes out of nowhere and starts contributing in a pretty substantive way. So I think like for I, I just don't see I think they I think they upgraded in the couple spots that we kind of expected them to upgrade in. And they get they get Will Sands presumably back, mm-hmm. adding to the depth on that left wing backside. And then everything else fits, right? Like it's 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 very much like kind of reloading the cannon here a little bit, mm-hmm. and and so it's a for me it's a it's a double possibly like treble potential kind of team right now, and I I, I think I think they think that and they expect that, and um, and I would guess they're already talking about mm-hmm. like what do we have to do to put ourselves in position to be able to be performing at that level at the right time and they're already kind of priming that pump and i think yeah. that's part of it like wanting to perform and be at that level yeah. versus not like this assumption we're going to do this we're going right. to it's like no this is the level and that, that that's the other thing just like the i just there's it's hard for me to fathom wilfred nancy not having these guys ready on the mental level i know yeah. he's never done this before but i just <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm completely, I, I completely drunk all that Kool-Aid. So you beat me you beat me to what I was gonna point out is that I remember back in twenty either twenty one or twenty two in one of Caleb Porter's press conferences when they were having a pretty rough stretch and mm-hmm. I said, How much effort do you spend in practice? How much effort does it take from you to manage the psychology of those players mm-hmm. and, and what is going through their head and how do you walk them out of that? And he talked about that a little bit, but you know, of course it's coach talk. But I think what we see here is the different dynamic that I feel Wilfried has with this team, especially after how things like how they went processed through things last year and how he brings in that mentality. Not just you can actually hear it in Josh Williams's voice is how that mentality not Mm -hmm. just precipitates into the team, but to the leadership and even more so into the team and even more so into crew, too, and so much and so far and so on. So. Yes, he's never won a championship before, so this is going to be interesting because he's going in there as as inexperienced in this manner as they are, but he has that experience of how to build that psyche, which I don't think mm-hmm. Caleb had. And I, I don't know Greg as well. Murph, you can probably speak to that about how to manage that psychological part of of after winning a championship or getting to the final and not winning, but... It's, you know, we heard Josh say it last week, right, that Wilfred wanted to put guys in uncomfortable positions to get allow them to kind of acqu- essentially acquiesce and get used to being uncomfortable and that transition periods from, from uncomfortable to uncomfortable or uncomfortable to comfortable, right? right? Well, this is essentially the same thing, right, yep. that you're in uncharted territory. It's not necessarily uncomfortable territory, but you haven't been there, Right. Why would you expect anything less, right? Because it, for me, it's kind of the same type of... You're essentially trying to flip the same switch mentally, I think, in the group. And they, they, they achieved that in, in, in a massively successful way a year ago. Shouldn't be any differing expectations this year. What do you think, from our perspective, uh, team perspective may be different, 
if you're ranking these competitions, uh, where, you know, and I'm going to say the MLS Cup and the Supporter Shield are separate things. What's, for a team that's coming off of winning an MLS Cup, let's keep that in mind. What's priority one in your mind? Well, the, the Matt Miazga Supporter Shield <laughs> is obviously number one. Um, we, Charleston Battery Trophy. Yeah, we won the league, um, <laughs> right? It, you know, if, you're coming, if you're coming at it from a European mindset, of course, the Supporter Shield is number one. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe if it can't make the trip when you do win the league, you just like use a Captain America shield with a plastic thing on it and everyone and no one notices the difference. Like, again, we're talking about an incredibly important historical thing that you can just sub in whatever you want for the actual with a, thing. With a Pontiac logo on it. Well, yeah. sure. Why not? You know what? Like my wife's car is missing a hubcap. So maybe that's a supporter shield for the 2024 season. Um, that's probably what, you know, one of the Western Conference teams will win this year. But no, it's MLS Cup for me is number one. It always will be. Um, but they, I think for me as a crew fan, the lack of tangible success, I think the lack of tangible success in CCL. Well, what was CCL now is CCC. It's like the one thing that's missing in crew history um, they, the, the club has done everything else except go out in, in Champions League and really showcase some quality. Um, so that's what I, I'd love to see. I'm still an Open Cup guy, um, but who we the We don't hell, even know what's going to happen. Who what the hell the knows? Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, you know what? As, as long as, as, long as the, 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 tro- the same trophy engraver shows up to Campionis Cup, <laughs> that's all I care about. Maybe there's a dictionary with him. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping not. Um, but, yeah, it's for, you know, MLS Cup is number one. That's got to be priority number one. But I think 1B for me is, is Champions League. Um, and and they f- and that the, obviously some of that remains to be seen in terms of draw and what it looks like, mm-hmm. but how how that competition has changed specifically with the first round and how different it is now for yeah. MLS Cup winning teams. Kind of no excuses to make a run as far as I'm concerned because they should be set up pretty well for it. I part of me would love and fear that they'd make a good run at Champions Cup three C. And uh, then they'd win, and then they go play in the Club World Cup because nine times out of ten, their draw is going to end up against El Ahli from Egypt, and then I'm going to hate my life. I'm going to be like, yeah, I can't even watch this game anymore. I'm surprised you wanted to bring up English, English or uh, Egypt, Egyptian soccer after yesterday. Mm. Well, I mean, when you're go, uh, hey, remember the crew did the exact same thing oh, where yeah. the goalie missed the yep. penalty yep. kick. So it is what it is. Actually, they they did not look in good form at all this tournament. So no. it's fine. I'm rooting for Cape Verde at this point for uh, one Stephen Moyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, MLS Cup, I think that's the obvious yeah. answer, right? Like you want to repeat. That's the goal with the league. <clears throat> I, I As we joke about uh, the Supporters Shield, like, there is still something there when you are the best team right? Uh, like, uh, absolutely and it's just funny when Home Matt Miazga yeah yeah mm-hmm. and well and just I do think you know you go the whole season now it's not a balanced schedule and so you can't really say that that changes anything but I do think you know that there is I liked when the crew were winning supporter shields and contending for MLS yeah, Cups yeah. like that's what you want to do right you want to be at the top of the league and then you want to make it through the playoffs and I realize that's well, and, difficult and you like the the double the double like you know 08 yeah, that is something when it's just like that. That is, you know, those teams are in a, a separate tier. Yeah, where they are the best team in the regular season, 
and they win it all. Um, uh, and there aren't that many no, no. in league history as well. But but I, I, I'm with you. I think CONCACAF Champions League, because it will always be Champions League. And, and we saw for the first time, I think, last year, really, with that win against America. Like, that was, I mean, that was right. something special. Even if it was just a weird League's Cup, that was something that was really cool and unique and basically a hostile environment yeah yeah a hostile home environment <laughs> home, right a hostile right. environment at home so i th- i think it would really be interesting to see that and and be fun to watch this team with i think hopefully the depth to be able to take that competition seriously um and and the skill to be able you know to do something with it. and you're gonna have you know Folks have to beat themselves up a little bit before you have to play them, and so that's not a bad thing. Um, and but you know, obviously, Trillium Cup and, and then the supporter <laughs> shield. I, th- th- this feels like this is going to be the year of play smarter, not harder, and then I try agree. to get through. Like, you don't have to be stupid, you know, you don't have to overly exert, but just play, play smart. Mm-hmm. And just if you, if you, like you said, Brett, if you play average defense. You can probably run away with it. But I'm also thinking of something, watching Newcastle and Fulham last week, and Danny Higginbottom um, mm-hmm. uh, was bringing up um, uh, uh, Fulham, you know, started a really weak 11 against that, against a Newcastle team that started everybody, you know, their entire starting 11 um, when they were playing Tuesday. And Danny was talking about, well, you know, there's, uh, uh, I think the choice Fulham was made is because they're worried they might have uh, a, uh, uh, you know, relegation, play their way into a relegation battle, and you want to have those guys resting. But in his experience as a player, that he thinks that actually having a cup run, it feeds in, it's a little bit of a virtuous cycle. Even, you know, those extra 90 minutes, sure, but that just the emotional boost you get from that um, is something that guys feed off of. And so I think, yes, play smarter with it, but I don't think that's the way that this team has historically approached, like U.S. Open Cup, for instance, where, yeah, who cares? It's an afterthought. Don't start it. No, because I think, I mean, you don't see an MLS. I don't think you really see you see some teams complain about it when it's uh, advantageous or fortuitous for them to do it, but I don't think you really see teams have a significant drop-off because, oh, they played a whole bunch of U.S. Open Cup games. Houston Dynamo, you know, nearly made it to MLS Cup Final. I don't think it was the extra games in U.S. Open Cup that were the reason they lost to LAFC. Um, I I think that probably helped propel them and allowed them to play, get as far as they did in the postseason. Look look at what Orlando did the year before, Mm -hmm. right? In that, like, that was a crappy-ass team that kind of caught fire, and it basically Mm -hmm. saved Oscar Perea's job, right? right? Like, and now, Homeboy is, I think, the longest-tenured coach in MLS now. Mm -hmm. Like, um... I mean, it's... I I completely agree, and 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 I... I think Danny is a good example of like someone who kind of understands um, how how success kind of can can breed other mm-hmm. success yeah. in that. And and I think it doesn't matter the the competitions are ubiquitous, right? There's osmosis between each yeah. one. Whether we might view them separately, but I don't think it the locker room does, right? And and so um, I think you can I, there there has to be a prioritization of some kind. I, I think. But I, I don't think just because one competition is above the other means that um, how you think about your effort in either one uh, changes, right? I, it, it, maybe it means that, like, um, you know, different, different players 
you know, maybe not playing an Open Cup or maybe sitting uh, the third game in 15 mm. uh, in MLS to to be able to be to 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 put your best foot forward in a in a game following that like CC, CCL mm-hmm. or whatever, but like I I really think that the the way you manage positive you know positive play and success on the field the way you build upon that game to game to game has absolutely nothing to do where and how those games are actually played and i think for me like a great example is mls cup mls is back right mm-hmm. back in 2020 what a time right what a what a glorious horrible <laughs> amazing bad and ridiculous time it was but those three group stage games and mls is back we saw the crew kick the crap out of people. And it kind of came out of nowhere in a lot of ways, right? Because that was not what we saw the first two games in that 2020 mm-hmm. season against New York and Seattle. And then it was like, holy, this Lucas guy. Yeah. <laughs> holy crap. Eunice Mokhtar just did what? You know, like. <laughs> oh, there's um, a name. And, oh, and he's hurt again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As I say, that poor Eunice also just blew out another hamstring. Um, but, um, but I, I like in the same way that I thought, like I said it right in the podcast after it happened that the the game against Club America and Leagues Cup changed the expectations for the 2023 season. I said it right then and there. It turned everything for me. I said that that this is a team that can absolutely win MLS Cup, and I think it's an expectation now. Same thing happened in 2020 with that Cincinnati game down in Orlando, it was like, well, if they can do that out of nowhere under all of these circumstances, they're more than capable of getting hot and going on a run, and they did. So, and I think it had nothing to do, it had nothing to do with the fact that those are like quote-unquote league games. It was, they were competition, it was success via that competition, and yeah. it fed into everything they did the rest of the year. Well, let's move into the mailbag, mailbag portion of it. And uh, Bart, I believe you have uh, the, the first question here. Yeah. First question is, okay, fellas. Submitted by one Bart Logan. (laughs) Crew Mount Rushmore's. Who you got? Did you do your homework on this one? I've given it some thought. Okay, so so you brought this up, Bart, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe like two or three weeks. Fox Fox Sports had some tweet about it. I was like, ooh. So... I have like I have two, and this is a cop out. I'm giving eight mm. names here, but I have like the real one and the fun one. Okay, and there's one name that exists on both, and I w- would like to, you know, kind of pose the question to to the three of you here because I think it's a fairly obvious answer. But if there is one person that is on both the real crew Mount Rushmore and the fun crew around Rush, around Mount Rushmore, it has to be Frankie. Frankie Haydick, of course. So we'll start with the fun one for me. Frank is number one. I brought him up in the podcast with Josh because he is an MLS enigma. He might be just an American enigma yes. in and of itself. He's, he's unique. Um, you know, there, there might be some ayahuasca, you know, consumed <laughs> at some point. Are we ach- achieving enlightenment through, you know, earthbound pharmaceuticals and other means of, of um, you know, reaching certain, you know, ethereal planes, uh, you know, via... Um, Levitations. Mind absence and subconscious kind of... Uh, um, enterings, but Stephen Lenhart has to be a second name 
that we um, that we mention from an entertainment entertainment value. I love 1, the man. I, I, I love Steve. I'm I'm back channeling at the moment to bring to bring Lenny on to the Mass Report podcast. Yes, I you don't have to know. Get him to Columbus. I don't know if Lenny even knows what a podcast is because <laughs> that there's a very real chance that he is disconnected over the last like decade mm-hmm. and podcasts of this new kind of fangled thing that he hasn't heard of. Um, but yeah, so it goes Frank, it goes Lenny. Uh, and then there's there there's an I also think like the two other two remaining spots have to be like random players that <laughs> were like kind of fun and quirky, but also like showed flashes. And as I just said that his other hamstring just blew out. But Eunice Mokhtar <laughs> is the third name on this list, because did anybody show more like outrageous skill in like, and then there'd be nothing for like six months, mm. and then he would try and chip someone from 45 yards and come really, really close. I loved what he brought. It was just a, it brought to the table. He played out of position the entire time, and he was always hurt. But there was something that Eunice brought to the table that I thought was really, <laughs> was really interesting. Hurt. And then one of my all-time favorite moments ever of all time in crew history was during the uh, the celebrations after the 2020 MLS Cup. The following day, when everyone was still hungover. Um, I don't remember if it was Josh or if it was Chris Doran, but someone asked Lucas to say some, some words, and Lucas's English was not very good at that point. So Lucas said something in Spanish, but there were no Spanish translators like around at the mm-hmm. time, so Eunice Mokhtar translated the Spanish, and from what I understand, he just made that shit up. <laughs> And where, where, where was Hector? I don't, I don't really remember. I mean, I know he was really hungover. I, well, <laughs> a lot of us were. But all I know is that I, talking to Lucas afterward, when the, the, maybe a couple months later, Lucas is like, that, I didn't say any of that crap. Um, and then, of course he says that now. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then the number, number four on the fun list, um, you know, eye patch and all, hair, long hair, uh, just flowing in the sea breeze. I don't know if he can run anymore. If we asked him to walk from like one right side of the room to the other, probably needs a break in between. But Gino Padula has oh. to be number four on the list of the fun crew. Oh, riding. he can. I've now, seen him run around in academy stuff. Uh, Not too much, but yeah, well, he took a, he, he, he was there for like what club soccer game or something last right. year at, at lower.com. He looked great. I love Gino. I thought he was, he's one of the most underrated crew players of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my fun crew, Mount Rushmore. Single-handedly made David Beckham not ever want to come to Columbus again. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, but the, 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 the real crew, Mount Rushmore, I think is fairly obvious for me. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned it before. He's, he's not only my favorite crew player of all time, but he's, he's like probably like top two favorite soccer players of all time. Brian Carroll, absolute technical god, leading by example. Man of few words, but when he did speak, mm-hmm. they were fucking funny. Um, Outrageously talented, maybe the most underrated player in MLS history, Brian Carroll. Um, n- uh, number two, Guillermo for me, club legend. What he did um, in his in his time in Columbus is just it was special. Um, he was the type of player that when we were watching him, we never in a billion years would have imagined seeing a player of his talent. Uh, not just playing in MLS, but playing specifically mm-hmm. for the crew. I remember there was a moment, and I've talked to Danny, Danny O'Rourke about this specific play, but there was a play early on in that first season where 
Danny O'Rourke was getting pressured and kind of like spins out of it and hits a 50-yard ball to Guillermo standing 10 feet away. <laughs> okay. And Guillermo, run, while like basically running, takes the ball down, kind of spins out of it, and then finishes the switch that Danny was trying to play. And I remember ev- like some people like in the Nordeca, which was new back then, mm-hmm. audibly like going, <gasps> like whoa! It was like there was like, like everybody had, like stopped cheering and screaming first. I swear it was like everyone was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! And um, he, to me, he he single handedly raised the the ceiling or the 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 uh, and expectations of what the Columbus Crew could be, um, and the fact that they had success really quickly after he 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 showed up, I think, kind of cemented that. Um, I'm also another man of few words, but when he did speak, great times. Yeah. Um, Federico Inguain has to be on, on the list. Um, I love me some Pipa, um, probably more on a personal level than a player level. Um, th- he's just, um, you know, as, as an outrageously, outrageously good player as he was, I think he's an even better person. And there aren't too many people I would say that about, and given how good he, he was. Um, I think I've told this story on the podcast, or maybe not. Um, but when we played in Miami 2021 for Lauderdale, and I think he had just, I don't think he, would, he hadn't retired yet in 21, I don't believe. I don't think so. Um, so he's playing for Miami. He and I kind of knew each other peripherally, but like not mm. like, like enough to say hi and recognize each other a yeah. little bit. But that was about it. Um, we're in the tunnel um, in, in Fort Lauderdale, and I feel kind of like an arm kind of reach around me, and it's him. And, he, you know, we're talking, and out of nowhere, he asked how my wife was doing. Now, she had just gotten diagnosed with cancer that previous fall. We, we had told everybody it was pretty well known at that point, yeah. but never in a million, billion, trillion years would I have ever imagined news of that reaching him. Right. And then ha- having, like, the, the awareness of being, like, I actually know who that guy is, right? And then, I don't know, that was, like, July. So she was diagnosed in October of 2020. So however many months later, to be able to, like, come up to me and actually say that blew my mind. And it's something I'll remember the rest of my life. Um, and then to, to kind of round out the group, I sometimes think, like, so I've got BC, got Guillermo, got Pipa, um, and then the, the last guy, I think, embodies everything that we love about this club and, and has done it through different eras of MLS. Um, we sometimes forget how good Frankie Haydick was. Um, I think maybe because we just saw it and we just saw how high the level was. But it was also like, you know, the throwing Shakas and the Expressos and the, the Red Bulls and mooting the the Mexican the Mexican team after the US men's national team just beat them at, in Columbus right like getting slapped by the Mexican Federation guy in the tunnel after <laughs> the game like there's there's this aura around him and the authenticity of that is is outrageously high he's he's one of the most unique pr- people I've ever been around he's a special human being and oh by the way he's probably like a top 15 US men's national team player ever maybe top top 20 Definitely top 20, maybe top 15. Um, he was a special guy. So 
um, both as a person and as a player. So the fun one's really fun, but I think my my four uh, of Guillermo, Pipa, BC, and Frankie Haydock, that's my crew, Mount, Mount, Mush, Mount Rushmore. Um, and that might change tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. But that's how I feel about it. Bart? That's a very long-winded answer, but I, I, that's I, fine. I got there. I'm... Uh... This may be sacrilege, but I've got Frankie on the honorable mentions. That's fine. And uh, I think the other honorable mentions I want to throw out there um, uh, uh, is one Stern John. I mean, just man was a god in two years. 44 goals in, in two seasons. And really one of the guys that, like, I mean, I, I, I'd been to crew games. That is the man that made me fall in love with this team. Mm. Um, uh, uh, I've got also on the, the honorable mentions, Darlington Nagby, um, uh, 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 just with how good he is. And then, uh, with my, uh, 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 uh four, I go with the three Argentine tens. Love um, that. uh, I, I think, you know, Guillermo, he, I think the way that you described, like the, the idea of like. Holy crap. This guy, the first time where it's like, this player is so much better than everyone else on the field, and he's ours. And I mean, and he wanted to be here, too. That was the other thing. But there have been other guys who are really talented who showed up and were like, yeah. Like you know, out there having a cigarette break. You I know? mean, and, and and people did that, but also was really talented too. Um, Showing up in a Dodge Caravan yeah, and a, in know. a cut off white T shirt, you and, know, ripping a ripping a heater on his way in a draining. But but it's, it's like the the way that I mean, that's true. By the way, that's actually true. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like just. I still just the way set pieces were just like a shirt and not just like set pieces like free kicks like corner kicks and I still want that like man every single time like it's just like well you know it's going to be golden and there's a like 25% chance it's going in Um, uh, uh, Guillermo and just for for how good he was that three year span Pipa for all the reasons and then add being there and being a kind of vocal save the crew supporter through that. Um, I think that was really important. And the guy that's hardest of those three for me is Lucas. But even when, when, when you look at it, like, just, like, coldly and away from it, it's like, just, he's arguably the greatest in terms of talented, most talented player that's ever played for the crew. His number's incredible. Was on his way to an MVP caliber season this past year before he left. Won an MLS Cup. And, and, and won it single-handedly. I you know, for the team. Does he get, so he, does to, he get credit for this most recent one? I say, yes. I think so. Yeah. I think so. he, he, uh, he, he better get a ring. Um, he is and, getting and, a ring. And, I know that for a fact. And, and I absolutely do think he should get credit. Um, and then my last is Chad Marshall. Um, mm-hmm. Guy. I mean, three has, was on all the supporter shield winning teams. Um, one MLS cup defensive player of the year, twice best 11, um, uh, one scored the, like, argue, uh, until, you know, a couple of years ago, the most important goal in Columbus crew history. Yep. Scored a really important, what was, might have been the crew's leading goal scorer in that 08 playoff run. Like, he's also scored in the Eastern Conference final, too. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and, and is leader in all-time games played for this team and is probably going to remain that. He's at 270-something. Closest active guy was Josh Williams at a little bit north of 200. I don't think anyone's ever going to get close to that again. Um, uh, unless Aiden Morris is a career Columbus crew player, and I don't think that's going to be the case. 
Um, so I, uh, those are my four. Uh, you guys have covered most of mine. Uh, you, I would. We, you, I, you should do a fun one. That's well, I haven't point, thought that far ahead. Yeah, I can, did. I, when you said you gave it some thought, and I, yeah. thought I mean, to Josh my, Williams was the other honorable. I thought to myself, I, I, I like, thought that was implicit. It's like, oh, I gave it some thought, <laughs> and I was like, shit, I like spent four yeah, hours thinking about it. Uh, the, uh, yeah. So I would not include anyone who's still playing. Like, that's just me. I, mm. It's that's like cool. a Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor type thing. Yeah. Uh, so Chad, mm-hmm. uh, Scaloto. Brian McBride, because that was the crew for... That was my... I was going to wonder if we would get to a point where Brian was not on any... Which, like, just even a couple years ago, it's just absurd to me. So I'm glad yeah. to hear he's yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, like, you guys talk about these guys as people, like... Brian, when he was here... Because a lot of times in the offseason, he was on loan somewhere or, yeah. you know, whatever. But when he was here, he was very visible the in stories the of him are legendary yeah i remember yeah. going to the old sports Lego site yeah Lego <laughs> i remember going to the old sports site indoor place up off henderson or bethel or whatever it was they had a training there mm-hmm. preseason like just practice there and he stayed for probably an hour and a half afterwards signing autographs and whatnot oh yeah and he was pretty good at that at that mm-hmm. point in the league Amazing what his career could have been if he didn't have as many injuries as he did through throughout it. Uh, the only thing that is really negative about him is that he came back and He'll played turn. for the Fire, but uh, you know it didn't it didn't end up costing the crew. And I've talked to him about it, and you know he's it was my hometown team, and Columbus didn't want me back, so yeah, understandable. Uh, so. The other two is that O2 goal, man, with that O2 team. Like, yeah. I know that wasn't with the crew, but that was such, like, a source of pride. Yeah. I mean, when he when, when he was on the cover of that Sports Illustrated yeah. RIP, bleeding, <laughs> um, uh, uh, and just, like, Daniel De Rossi, yeah. Or no, that was, uh, that would that, that was an O2. That was, um, sorry, continue. Yeah. That was 10, 2010. Yeah, yeah. but Chad, Scalotto, Brian, and then... I really wanted to find a goalkeeper, but there's just been like so many of them that have played like short I the stints. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was like, well, Tom Prestis was great and no. Brad Friedel was great. But I thought JB, of them... JB too, but yeah. like did mm-hmm. not doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, exactly uh, in the same way. Yeah, so I I couldn't do that. Um, I thought about someone like Brian Mazenoff just because of how good he was, but injuries derailed uh, his career. So I think I think Frankie is a good one. Mm-hmm just because of, of kind of his impact on this team. And, and he like, stayed. Yeah. yeah. And he stayed. And he, you know, that's a national team guy who came back, you know, towards the end of his career, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah. I mean, and then obviously he still went on to win an MLS Cup with the Galaxy, as we were talking about. Um, but I think you could make a debate for, for a lot of guys. I mean, like if it were just my personal guys I love, I would throw Kyle Martino in there. Not that he did a ton of, you know, statistical things with the crew, but I just loved his game. Um, I mean, that first year. Yeah, he was, you know, just what Justin did over his time with the, I mean, you know, we only get four, I get that. But, uh, Sam, you got one? Um, so. Do you have anyone um, that we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, actually, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. So, mine tends to lean more towards emotional attachment, especially after mm-hmm. the 08 season. I love and then, that. Yeah. And then. <clears throat> when I started like it wasn't just like to me as somebody that was completely from the outside the crew was a source of frustration because I hated the, how they played soccer until that mm-hmm. season um, but not not just getting to cover the 08 season but also 
developing some of the relationships with those players because mm-hmm. they're like, I'm like, what is happening in my life? I don't know what's going on. So mine is mine is purely mostly emotional than anything else. Guillermo, mm-hmm. uh, Frankie, Will Hesburn. Nice. Uh, those are my top three. Number four is just like there's a smorgasbord of a lot of people, mm-hmm. whether it's Dante Washington. Yeah, good player, yeah, all around good, good guy. Um, uh, Stevie Lenhart, good guy. Uh, had had many a hilarious conversation with him. Danny O did like a whole piece about Danny's tattoos one time for yeah. Massive mm-hmm. Report. That was fun. Um, I mean, I could I could go on, but Tyson Wall. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> or not. So I wanted no. I, when I meant to send this out to the group that we if we were to make a a, a, a crew villain. Uh, Connor Mount, Casey, Mount, Tyson Wall. Um, the there, I was gonna say there, Tyson Wall is more of a villain than Connor well, there, Casey. I feel. Uh, there's Connor Casey. I was still blaming. Well, there, I was gonna say there was one obvious name that goes on the list, but the, the remaining three are kind of interesting. But yeah. um, but Connor Casey was the other one. I, I think of. an ex- obscure. Uh, like, can we come up with the most obscure four people? We don't so, do this tonight, but I'll, I'll in say, a future. I'll say my last one, and then we can get. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Um, uh, Ali Moreno. I yeah. Great that. guy. I love that. Fantastic player. Yeah. Was 100% on board on Save the Crew mm-hmm. and yeah. vocally about it. So The Alejandro um, Moreno chant is still... And I un- feel like, yeah. that, Top I feel three like that was also one of the first... Because that, that was like relatively close from when Seven Nation Army came out. Yeah. It was yeah. one of the yeah, first yeah. like great re, you know, applications of that song. And it's tired now but it was so awesome though. And, there were and, and another honorable mention to bc because i will never forget one time we were all at clada and he had just dislocated his shoulder and i had talked to him i was like hey how's that shoulder and he decided to show me how dislocated it was <laughs> yeah. and i'm like thanks bc i could have lived without that yeah, but you know okay. the some of the um you know i i some of the some of the stories of like um you know him dominating training and stuff from that era of team is is they're they're just crazy but um, I'm glad you brought up Dante, because uh, I think like you know there's there's like the Mount Rushmore of like the best crew players, and then there's a Mount Rushmore of the most important crew players. Sure. And if we're talking about the second, the latter, Dante Washington yeah. is probably the first name on the list for me. Um, that that I that Olympic team, um, in my mind, is so. And we're talking about the 92 Olympic team. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, you know, and being only, you know, well, what it was, I was six years old at that point. But, like, looking back on it, kind of in, in terms of the story of American soccer, that 92 Olympic team is so outrageously underrated in, in, in their importance mm-hmm. from Calgary and kind of bridging from Calgary in 86 to yeah. what what they did in that in that Olympic year with kind of that first batch of of guys who saw the 86 team mm-hmm. as younger players and then developed through that and then saw tangible on-field success uh, and he was probably one of the better guys on that team um and I think like you know his his crew tenure he scored goals he was a he was an outstanding player but the fact that he came back, put yeah. roots here, and is a massive came part, back as a player too after yeah, he went to yeah. Dallas is a massive part of the of the club culture. Um, both, I think, on a casual standpoint, but then obviously logistically on the, on the business side of things too. Um, 
You know, if, if we were making the list of the most important crew players of all time, Dante Washington is unquestionably in the top four um, mm. and, 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 and has to be mentioned in, in the same breath as, as BMAC um, and, and, and some other guys. Um, as a player, as an ambassador, as a front every, office person. Embodying, yeah, I mean, he covers the whole thing. Embodying everything that we the, 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 I'm going to use an, a Hawaiian word, but the ohana of like what it means to be Columbus crew, the soul, the breath, this um, kind of unknowable but tangible thing. He embodies that, personifies yeah. that in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a different way than Frank does, but Frank does the same way, but in his own kind of brand. Um, that uh, is something that I think uh, is incredible. And I don't know if we... I don't know if we give him enough credit for it, um, but he's he's absolutely on that list. One more honorable mention to the man of the people, the man, the myth, the legend, Duncan Otten. Yeah, mm. sure. I think we could probably do a whole. I know this is what we originally I talked wanna, about doing. Let's remember, you know, the, it's that ringer, that old. Remember some guys. Let's remember yeah. some guys, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, all right, good know. times. We're gonna kind of roll through some Manuel here. Ekpo. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, we're gonna kind of roll through some here. So from Bart's question to former member of the podcast, Ori Benatar's question. Uh, summer international break could be very tough for the crew with Cucho, Rossi, expected to go to Club America, Russell Rowe, Morris Schulte could also, uh, could as well, Matan maybe for the Euros. I don't know about that, Ori. Uh, but he asked, uh, who do you think can step up and help with some of these missing pieces that could happen? Um, I don't know, who are a couple names that, that pop to mind of guys that would need to step up if, if in fact, all of these guys do depart? So one of, my, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world is the No Laying Up podcast. If, you, if you're a big soccer fan and golf fan, um, you probably listen to, to No Laying Up. But one of the things that they do at the beginning of the year is they do this goals podcast. And they go around the, 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 the table, so to speak, and they, they have their goals for the year. But one of the, the, at the end, they name the year. In the same way of, like, the, imagine, like, the Chinese calendar the year of the whatever. Um, and it's always absurd and it's always kind of fun, but my, my wife and I have started doing that in the last couple of years. Um, ironically for me, 2023 was the year of knowing our value. LOL, that was not <laughs> yeah, great. Right. Um, but the, uh, in 2024 is the year of Sean Zawadzki. Um, we are going, you know, we, it, it, the jump that we saw Aiden Morris make in 2023, expect, expect Sean to do that and then some. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to very quickly cement himself into the starting lineup in some position. I'm not really sure which one it's going to be, but he's going to be the dude that steps up when they need him to step up, when they have to rotate um, because they don't want to put the miles on Darlington Nagby's legs. They don't want to put the miles on Stephen Moreira's legs. Sean Zawatsky is going to play three or four different positions for an extended period of time for this for this team, and he's going to play at a high level at all of them. So he's he's absolutely the guy, the first name that comes out of my mouth in, in terms of the the people that you expect to make a jump because he's already at a really high level, yeah. and I think he's going to meet that and exceed that in a big way in 24. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. That was the first name that popped to my mind. If if Aiden goes, uh, if you need goals. I think Christian Ramirez can step back in and, and become a yeah. starter for this team. If either or both of Cucho and um, uh, Rossi are gone, you know, you play differently with him out there, but I certainly think he can. Uh, another name, I'm not because of internationals, but 
because I think he can have a much bigger season than he did the second half of last year is Shaburko. And I think that's a guy who can fit in and much better than he did. He was starting to look better the last yeah, couple of Yeah, he was. Games. He was. And now he gets a full preseason. And you know, I don't think we'll see guys going off to international duty on the back line necessarily. But uh, he's a guy who I imagine plays a much bigger role this year than Is he, did. he at all in the Ukrainian hierarchy of um, we need to start playing games in order to, to be in there. Okay. Mix, okay I wasn't but. sure if he, I know that he had some, he has some junior, um, you know, U 22, U 20 experience, but I wasn't sure if he had any first team. He has made one cap in 2020 for Ukraine. Okay. Uh, so I think doesn't only, seem a ton. The only other name, you know, and again, we, we've got to see, but his if there's a reason they yeah. signed the guy. Um, and I don't, I just, I'm really big on Taha, and I know it would be a lot, but you know this is the, that's the sort of you know environment where 17 turning 18 year old could see some serious minutes in some big games, um, and he's going to have to play at some point. Every yeah. single yeah. point he's had a chance yeah. to. Yeah, and I will say that the day that we got to watch them practice, he didn't look out of place. I mean, it was the first day of preseason, so. Take it for what it is. Uh, this fits right into another question, Bart, from Adam Porter. He asks, how do you see Hinnestroza fitting into the team? Maybe starting 11? Uh, he said, depending on what I read, he's either a midfielder or could play right back or left back. Can't seem to find much consensus. Um, what do we think? Wilfred Nancy mentioned him as a guy who could even play as a striker if they needed him to. So it seems like a lot of versatility from, from a player that we don't know a ton about, but wh- where do you think he plays his most minutes? Remember rule number one when we're, when we're talking about soccer managers. If the person gets signed under that manager, that person plays no matter what. <laughs> okay? That's literally, like, we, we laugh. Except laughed. if it's Caleb Porter. Well, we, in, in, well yeah, he but played, like, played Maton. But, 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 uh, yeah, and then he stopped playing. It worked, yeah. it worked under Caleb, though. Like, it's, it, 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 you, dance with, you, know, you dance with the one that brung you, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I would expect him to start from day one. Where? I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think there, I think for me, it's, it's, there's a position battle in the third spot of the front three, yeah. mm-hmm. Cucho, Rossi, and question mark. And I, and I would guess, I would expect that Hinnestrosa is probably, to, to steal a baseball or a, a golf term again, but is the leader in the clubhouse there a little bit um, for that job, just simply because you don't bring a guy like that in mm-hmm. um, without kind of giving, putting the thumb on the scale a little bit. Um, there, I, I do, the profile from what I've seen with Liga Mekis, like the profile and left wing back works. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to move, if, if Rossi, you know, wants to kind of say exclusively left, you can invert him right. And mm-hmm. I think it works there too. Um, but the, um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to play, but I would, I would be very surprised if he's not starting that first crew game. I'd be actually, like, genuinely shocked if he doesn't start that first yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, I think it obviously depends on how it all works this preseason, but I, you're right. You don't bring a guy like that here to sit on the bench for the nope. first eight games of the year. Yeah, you will. Um, Perfect example. Right. But I think, you, I think you hit on it. He could play a number of different positions. I think he could also, in a pinch, and you probably don't need this, but probably play central midfield as well. I mean, he just seems like a guy who can, can do a lot of different things. Um, 
we had several questions about transfers, so I'm just going to kind of group these all together. Apologize for not naming the people, but we were asked about if you think they make another move before the before the end of this window and where you think they would make a move if and when they do. I, I still, you know, look at it. I think especially I know there were some questions about and I, I don't know if anything else. It seems like it's died down, but with uh, Mo. Yeah. Um, and so I'd look at that right wing back position or right midfield or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think, you know, obviously with Gressel departing and with the questions about Mo and, and look if a Saudi or I guess that was an Emirati team. Um, but if they if they are going to throw, you know, life family changing money at Mo, I'm not going to fault him either. Uh, so that would be, I think, the area where, where you're looking for um, some competition because you look at what happened when you gave Mo some competition too, he rose to the occasion. Agreed. Um, and so I, I think that'd be the area. Yeah, I think it's a harder it's a harder question to ask when you brought pretty much everybody back from a championship team except for Julian Gressel, basically. Um, so I think if they do make any move, it would probably be depth, and it would be after preseason, especially since Champions League starts off right off the bat. Um, but then. I can see them not doing anything until the summer window and seeing how those first four four months go. Yeah, I think they wait until, unless there's like an injury in preseason or something, you wait, you see how it goes. Um, I mean, look, what if Rudy Camacho, the legs just start to go or he can't go as much as they thought he might be able to? Now, you have Shaburko, you have other guys that can play back there, but... Quinton. Yes, <laughs> quite possibly. Sean's yeah. But I mean, is that... Hard. Once they established that center center back and had him there, their defensive record was a lot better. Now, yeah. granted, he came in knowing how to play with Nancy and stuff, but that may be a position um, you could address at some point. But I think you wait and see just kind of how things go to start the season, and that's the nice thing about the, the summer transfer window. Um, yeah, they're done. They're done until yeah, summer. I, I agree. Uh, we sort of touched on this with guys that could step up with Ori's question, but... Any players, this is from Eric Schultz, uh, any players that you think will have a breakout season, not necessarily like, you know, coming into their own, but he uses a guy like Max Arfston or stepping up last year or a guy from Crew 2 that you could see. Uh, Bart, you mentioned Taha already. I think that's probably the most obvious answer, but anyone else come to mind for for you, Brett? I think it's, I, for, I think it's Will Sands. Um, what we saw, I, I, I from everything that I've heard in terms of his his ACL recovery, it's, it looks really, really good. And he's very, you know, the confidence has not yeah. dropped at all, which is, which is a credit to him. He started smiling um, in pictures. Well, on the, the you team know account. what? And that's a huge win. <laughs> uh, he was for, playing his way into national team con- conversation. On behalf of introverts yeah. everywhere. That's a big win. <laughs> yeah. um, the, uh, the, um, cause I think he, I think it, he plays his way into that left wing back spot. What we saw from him before he got hurt was pretty special. Um, and I, I thought he had, he had cemented himself in stone in the starting lineup, which I don't know if I would have, that was maybe the biggest surprise to me yeah. at the beginning part of the year. Um, but I think he comes back with a vengeance. I think he gives them an element of running that they didn't have on that left side. And on top of that, there's some technical quality. And the athleticism is so underrated. What Top, top five most athletic guys on the team. And I don't think anybody, people quite realize that. Um, yeah, he's a guy I think to keep an eye on. And then 
Um, the I think Mo Farsi is the is another one for me. If he is still around, the jump that I think he's going to make, um, especially if the if it starts to look a little bit more dynamic in the attacking third, it, it's the the price tag keeps going up. Yeah. Um, and 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 I would expect him to 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 meet that challenge and exceed it because every time he has been met with uh you know kind of a, a coach challenging him he's absolutely you know kind of taken that and, yeah. and blown it out of the water so yeah. i think he's he's going to do that for sure the other thing will sands has going for him if if the pictures from the preseasons are any indication is that josh williams juice he's got the number three now yeah it's good good eye there bart uh kevin zerby asked any thoughts about why the giveaways at crew games have been so weak I mean, obviously, Tony didn't care about us, but would it kill the Haslam's Edwards to give us a bobblehead? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. We've talked about this already a little internally. Uh, Bobbleheads rule. I am fine with a bobblehead giveaway, but I also think when you're selling out the stadium anyway, you don't need those things as much. Um, But I feel like I'm in the minority here. I think it, it can go both ways, okay? I think... Sometimes you need it to bring people to the stadium, and sometimes you need it to cement people in said stadium. A little um, treat. A little treat. Uh, you're, you're, while, yes, adults love bobbleheads, I myself included, as we were having this text conversation, I was looking at my Boone Jenner bobblehead <laughs> that, was, that I just got from a CBG game, that I literally picked that specific game because I knew there was a bobblehead. Just, just saying. But, like, I think sometimes you're... you're enticing these like younger collectibles things that are like sitting on i i have a crew cat that i got Mm -hmm. in a white elephant exchange a crew cat bobblehead that is that i got in 19 no in 2004 that is Mm -hmm. still sitting on my desk and now it's holding the tiny shovel commemorative shovel that we got (laughs) from the groundbreaking and it's you know what's right next to it a Frankie Hayduck bobblehead yep. from, I MLS believe, Cup 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. MLS yep. Cup mm-hmm. one from 2009. I've got that on my desk in yeah. the office. So it's like, it's just that kind of stuff that some of us, the more pragmatic ones, Murph, um, <laughs> don't necessarily look at it in that way because you are looking at it to a, to a large degree from mm-hmm. your, your journalist media person view. And while I also have the journalist media view, I am also a fan. You know, look at the Blue Jackets where they have... Looked well, horrible. That's the only yeah, they're thing still they got going selling. For them is yeah, they're heads. still <laughs> selling out for some bizarre reason. I did look this up. They're in the bottom third of the NHL in attendance, yeah. which is wild that they're not the bottom three. Right. <laughs> so it, they're still selling out more often than not, or at yeah. least filling more than seventy-five percent of that arena. But they still do it. The Clippers do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ohio State occasionally. You, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Major League, uh, Major League Baseball. That that's that's a thing. It's a thing now that Major League Baseball teams do it. So, yeah. anyway, that's just my two cents. Who? It's something fun who, more who, than a, more than a scarf, which we have a gazillion of, yeah. or a towel, which actually the, I kind of like the towels this no, year. No, see, I, I will. I'll I'll, I'll, just, I'll fight on the towel. I think the towels are like, and all these teams have been trying to do the terrible towel, and like like I mean, yeah, but it, these it, people used to partially own the Steelers. And it's not like it's not just. 
the like the Blue Jackets do it. All these teams that do it for like the playoff games, you can do it for one of those games. I don't need three different dish towels. That I'm <laughs> at best they're going to be dish towels afterwards. A bandana can serve the same purpose. You're going to wear it to the game afterwards. The you beanie, might wear it the for beanie some other was things. great. The beanie, yeah, oh yeah, everyone, they're everywhere. Everyone's, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you do see those everywhere. Um, although Nordek is doing a beanie this year, it doesn't look. How great, about folks. how about bucket hats? Crew bucket, bucket hats. hats. That's a move. I still have the reversible bucket hat the from reversible like bucket 2011, hat. 2012. Oh, that was so and, fire! And the crew did a camo. Oh yeah, uh, camo ball, baseball cap that I still have. Sunglasses. Well, another Sunglasses. great move. What was the name of the of the the person who asked the question? Uh, this was from Kevin Kevin Zerby. All right, so so Kevin. To Kevin and everyone else who's made it this far. Um, I I love where your head's at. Um, Your head's also back in 2012. (laughs) Uh, And that's not a knock. That's not that's not a dig. That's not that's not me teasing or making fun of you. Um, In a lot of ways, my head is also back in the 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 late aughts to early teens of of the yeah, of the two thousand Mount Rushmore exactly <laughs> the it, it, I one of the, I, I've 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 kind of teased this and mentioned it that like the 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 weirdest thing about this current kind of climate and era of MLS that we're that we're in is that we have left the old days behind that the giveaways and the buck and the Man. All of the kitsch, kitschy kind of things. Of, Dollar beer night. Um, yeah. The minor league sports things. Yeah, that, 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 that made MLS incredible yeah. back in the day and was so fun. But it was all very traditional. It was all very balls and strikes. We've left, left that behind. Um, and we are now in this new era, shout out to Taylor Swift, of like <laughs> MLS-dom. And then, by, and then if we're taking the 20,000-foot view of American soccer-dom, it's totally different. We're, yeah. we're, we are in very much an entirely different stratosphere. And some of the old stuff like that is never coming back. Yeah. It's done. It's gone. Especially when you have NFL owners. Well, yeah. And, 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 and is that a good thing? No, this Personally, is like- I would I would say no. I would say it's a bad thing because I I really I love I want to be able to keep our history, our history, and I use that word purposely, in within arm's length, length, and, and within arm's reach because the context of the past to the the events of the past to contextualize the present are what make makes makes MLS different from all other other American professional sports. And in some of that kitschy, the run-up penalties, the mm. snicker bars on the, on, you know, yes. tramp stamps, all of that matters. All of that is, in, is, is crucial and important to the history of the league and what made some of it stupid back then, but why it was fun and why it's still fun now. We still need to be able to touch on that and remember it and consider it in this new era that we're in. But it absolutely is in the past. Right. So would I love like a Matan bobblehead? Yeah, because it's <laughs> to scale, and that's incredible. <laughs> well, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. Would it be fantastic for sure? But I, I I think that I think that era is over. I will say, if nothing else, if you don't give them away, at least get some damn bobbleheads in the crew shop. Yes, that's please. it. So to, to Kevin, if you made it through, I wasn't teasing you. I wasn't making fun of you. I was making fun of Matan. Mm-hmm. 
Shout out to uh, to, to my. T- he's gonna be so pissed if he hears this. Oh my he god! Will. Did you see the pictures from his wedding? Yes. Incredible. They're awesome. incredible. Incredible. They're incredible. He's oh my god. I hope he doesn't. Leave. If I get a text message from there's one Romanian number in my phone. And it's his, uh, uh, I'm glad to learn that there's only so one. There's gonna be there, a, the rest of be, there's there's a, more than one. That there's gonna be a very angry five foot four Romanian in my front door here in a little bit. Um, Good thing he's in Florida right now. <laughs> uh, the. But uh, it's a it's a it's a past era, and the door is shut. The way is shut, uh, and 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 I don't think we're, we'll ever go back. All right, two more questions. We'll do quickly. Uh, has there been an announcement about Columbus Crew two head coach? I can't find anything on it. That's because there has not been. Nope. But stay tuned. It's now they don't start as early as the first team does, so I they're think not. They start until like April. No, it's earlier than that. But I don't know if they've put out the schedule yet. But it's like a month or so after. Because uh, the, the, I remember going to a game last year that was really cold still. Uh, but, yes, it, things, are, things have been moving behind the scenes, uh, and they've been talking to people. And then this one's for Cam, and this is, or, well, this is from Sam, from Kathy. You see what I did there. Uh, why are you guys afraid of the Tuesday Night Crochet Club? Okay, it involves people <laughs> with needles, large, large, Real quick, large needles. Tuesday nights at Saucy, our lovely home on Mondays, uh, is crochet club so continue yes so i i'm not gonna as as both my wife and my daughter are big crocheters and knitters i'm not getting in a fight with people that hold those size needles i've seen some of the creations your daughter has made and and one whoa but two if if you've ever heard the phrase like you know bringing a knife to a gunfight (laughs) they are bringing what are essentially knives to you know to a podcast the softest (laughs) the softest of all soft targets in terms of the master report podcast all we have is microphones and we can't really defend ourselves microphones and hot takes yeah but those just bounce right off of these ladies because they somehow you know just are armed or men um uh but sure yeah um steven lenhart the I'll tell that I'll tell the Lenny crochet story at some point, but we're gonna need more than a beer for one beer for that. Um, <laughs> more God, than beer. man, I've told that more story fifteen thousand times. But uh, um, yeah, it's uh, w- not only are we scared, but we have a very good reason to be scared yeah. because it's just not worth it. Um, you know, the uh, there's there's a there's a great quote from The Wire um, that uh, um, when when it talks about. Uh, Fighting, for fighting turf wars, and it was like, who cares that it starts on a lie? You fight on that lie. Yes. Yeah. Are they tougher than us? Absolutely. Are we fighting on that lie? Unquestionably, we are not. No there are way. just certain hills you don't want to die yeah, on. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. Let and them have this territory. I don't want to get blood all over their knit sweaters. We're just not okay. We're renting just, it here. I want the I want, I, I want the Massive Report, um, uh, a Saucy Brewworks Crochet Club crossover podcast. You I can think. be out front like Jon Snow yeah. in Game of Thrones, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> maybe. Well, the maybe. other thing is, and, and, and Brian's the one who says that, like, we can take him. He, he's he's the one that, that's been How saying about they, they got nothing. Well, How yeah, about, a tough grunge era <laughs> yeah. Seattle Leon. Yes. Um, How about, why how about we do this? Maybe we talk to them about a collaboration in the spirit yes. of Stephen Lenhart uh, to make hats and they, teach Nordic members how to knit they, hats. When, when is episode 400 coming up? It's got, I remember we had 300. Did mm. we already pass 400? We're getting close to 500. Okay. Well, <laughs> they should crochet a jersey for 500. Like we got the, had the 300, we have the 300 jersey. jersey. Yeah. I still have that. 
All right. Well, wait. There's one more, Patrick. Uh, oh, best go ahead. albums from 1995. Oh yes, obviously that was. the Benz and only built for Cuban links. Raekwon. Uh, uh, I was going to just avoid Andrew's question, but he mm-hmm. also said build your perfect hamburger. Okay. Uh, I don't know if we need to go oh, into that right now, I, but I got I got that one. Okay, so it's brioche bun, slice of cheese, uh, sharp extra what sharp, what extra sharp Vermont cheddar, okay. white cheddar to be exact. Uh, Sam's patty, giving this more thought another than another cheese of Rushmore. the same of the same variety. Another patty, uh, probably a ninety ten, just so we're clear. Uh, if you want to mix some lamb in there, that's even better. And then. Caramelized onions, bacon, and then mm, uh, spicy mayo or cupy mayo. Ooh. You can go with either one. And um, steak sauce. All right. There you go. Well, the rest of us can get, answer that question on another day because Sam's got to get to volleyball here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. By yes, the way, the 1990, you don't, you did not get him giving enough love to Atlantis Morissette and Jagged Little Pill I, I, of 1995. I, 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 I mean, the other was like melancholy. I mean, no. obviously, right up there too. And the Benz, and the Benz is that Swords came out that ben, year. Is that Radiohead? The Benz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey guys, Which different. Their best radio. Different album. podcast. It's, it's it's. We your, should put that in our notes app for the episodes that we like. We should have an episode about it's that. It's the best album, but yeah. not the greatest. Radiohead album? Not even the best or greatest. That's but it's really good. But it's like better than like any band would be. What I'm gonna do is to just fade. Yeah, just, the end of this yeah there's just no closing out. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Thanks guys for listening to this. This is the Mass Report podcast from Saucy Brew Works. We hope you enjoy one of the one of these days. The one of these days, it's just gonna be Bart and I, and it's gonna. Yeah. You know, we should have made it the 420 podcast, but the the uh, I'll be in Europe, the, so you can do that. Yeah, the uh, and it's just gonna be us riffing, absolutely <laughs> riffing. We'll call it a chop session, yes. and it'll be no one will listen to it, and everyone will listen to it, and that's exactly how we like it. All right, Bart, send us out. Bye, buddies. 